0: This is episode 60 of the Rising Man Podcast with Maceo Paisley. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Good morning, Rising Man family. Welcome back to another episode of the Rising Man Podcast. I am your host and the creator of this show, Jetty Azuma. And before we get started on today's episode, I want to share with you guys very vulnerably that this episode came at a time where, right before we recorded, I received some information that left me with a bit of a heavy heart, and it was very interesting timing based on the content of this episode. I learned that a young man whom I spent the past few years mentoring down in LA was shot and killed just a week prior to the recording of this episode, and I found out about that just before we started recording. And so I want to honor and commemorate this young man who lost his life and to let this be a reminder that when it comes to violence, when it comes to the society that we've created and the world that we're creating for our children, for our young ones, that it's not only the young men, the young women who lose their life who are affected by violence, but the ones who perpetrate the violence, the ones who commit the violent act, who are affected for the rest of their lives. For the young man who pulled the trigger, for the young people who commit violence because that's what they grow up with, that's what they learn. It's a really important mission for us right now to create a better world, to create a world where young people don't have to choose violence to express themselves or process or deal with their anger. And so this episode is dedicated to this young man who lost his life and for all the young people who have experienced violence in their lives. May we learn to communicate and relate to each other in ways that doesn't demand violence from us. And i like to think that if we create more circles and more opportunities for men to express their anger and express and process their challenges in healthy ways, then we'll be doing a greater service to not just these young men, but to our society and our communities at large. And so one opportunity for you guys to continue to contribute to building a society and a culture where we support each other, where we create spaces for men to share vulnerably with each other and to have the support they need so that we can carry on in our lives becoming the men that we've always wanted to be is to join the Rising Man Fire Circles that we have each and every month. We will be having our next one on March 23rd, a Saturday from 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you guys are coming for your first time, you can join as a guest and try it out, experience what it is to be a part of a circle of men who are committed to raising the bar for ourselves and for each other. And if you want to contribute to and support the Rising Man podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash Man and by committing to the $33 a month tier you'll gain access to our fire circles to our rising men fire circle mastermind community and to all the benefits that we have for men who want to take the next step above just listening to these podcasts and getting the wisdom each and every week so let me introduce my guest for this week Maceo Paisley is a multidisciplinary artist designer and cultural producer who explores themes in society and identity through movement, language, and imagery. After serving in the U.S. Army and climbing the ladders of corporate America, Maceo made his way into the world of arts, entertainment, and entrepreneurship. As executive director of the nonprofit platform Citizens of Culture, he uses art to help communities and organizations develop critical thinking, emotional intelligence, and resource inequality. Among his achievements, Maceo was awarded the Bronze Star for his service in Iraq, was a participant of the Millennial Trains Project, and was the NBC Universal Challenge Grant recipient. He's worked as a dancer and choreographer for indie rock sensation Beirut and Justin Timberlake, just to name a few. He's basically a modern day da Vinci, by my definition, not necessarily his words, but I definitely consider him to be such based on his unique blend of skills and arts and creativity. In this episode, we dove into discovering ourselves from outside the shadow of our fathers. We talked about how Maceo overcame that and what he learned in the process. He shared about enlisting in the armed services and going from a shy creative to a trained military man. We spoke about making distinctions about violence, where and when is it appropriate? And what are the consequences of having so much violence in our culture? We spoke about why it's essential for men and women to have outlets to express their anger before it becomes too much and before it boils over and how we can learn to direct the energy into positive creativity. So without further ado, I present to you Maceo Paisley. All right, family. I got a very special guest here today, a man by the name of Maceo Paisley, live from... Are you down in L.A. right now? I'm in L.A. Hello. L.A. L.A., good to have you here, man. How are you feeling today?
1: I feel great. It's a lovely day, of course, in L.A., but it's a little chillier than we're used to, so... You just making it, making it go. You know, keeping it warm on the inside.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I feel like I'm a bona fide Southern California now because I grew up right outside New York City, so I'm used to winters. Uh, but now that I, I get cold when it's 55 degrees out, oh, yeah. so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm bona fide California now. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're spoiled. We're spoiled. But it feels good to 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 like be a be awakened by that chill and know that you're alive. So I appreciate it.
0: Mm. Mm, likewise, man. Well, listen, man. Grateful to have you here to be in this conversation that we're talking about today, because I know that you have a background that really lends itself to this this dialogue about violence, about masculine culture, and and a lot of the perceptions that have been placed on men because of our legacy and our lineage with 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 violence. Yeah. And to to start off the the topic, I, want, I just want to share transparently. I told you before we started recording, but I literally just found out. 15 minutes ago that a young boy that I used to mentor down in LA was shot and killed last week. Mm. And so it's, it's synchronistic and also a reminder that this is still happening all around us. It's still a big part of our culture right now. So before we really dive full force into that, man, let me ask you this. What is the difference between a boy and a man?
1: Yeah. I think about this a lot and I'll just say, that if you ask me on different days, I'll probably give you different answers, mm-hmm. and they would all be honest. But just like where I am in, in that conversation every day, but I, I I work out and I dance in in the gym with other guys, and they're like pumping iron or doing push-ups, and I'm wearing mm-hmm. like leggings and doing dance moves, you know, like mm-hmm. long sort of moves that might identify might be visually identified as like feminine, right? I'm also mm-hmm. doing my calisthenics and stuff too, but. I remember this thought came to me, the difference between a boy and a man for me was questioning whether I was enough Mm. and then manhood being knowing that I was, Mm. knowing that I was enough, right? Mm. Always, always looking up to my pops and aspiring to be something more Mm -hmm. than I was and manhood about really at its highest form being settled into and it's not unique to manhood, but it's for me, what manhood is, is being settled into the person that I am. Mm. And I, I actually talk about it. You know, I just wrote a book called The Tao of Maceo. And in that book, there's a poem called On Freedom. And my, my beliefs on freedom is it's equal part surrender and struggle. Mm. And, and to be a man is to not only reach out into the world and try to do those things that empower us and shape the world in our vision, but also to like be in the home and like care and you know mm. what I mean? And so to yeah. me, it's, it's settling into all that I am and completeness of myself, that's manhood.
0: Mm, yes, man. And what you're, what you're describing there is such an archetypal part of the journey from boyhood to manhood across many different resources that letting go of the validation or needing to look outside of ourselves to know that we are enough to know who we are and then stepping across that threshold and letting it come from within. Yeah. And I know that's something that a lot of us, myself included, especially when it comes to, to sons and their fathers, letting go of that last tether to, to approval through yeah. our dad. Yeah. So, so speak to that just a little bit for, for in your own experience about how that journey went and how you finally yeah. claimed life on your own terms.
1: Yeah. I mean, I come from a long line of alpha dominant cats and mm. I'm, my name is, I'm the third. I'm the third Maceo in my family. So my yeah. grandfather passed his name to his son and my dad passed his name to me. And so as a child, I had this legacy that I was brought into, but it was also a, a shadow sometimes, right? Because there's like mm-hmm. everybody that knows these men, respect them. And, you know, people would always be asking me, well, you know, you got the mantle now. What are you going to do with it? You know, mm-hmm. and um, and I was never competitive with my father, but I do remember that feeling of having to live up to something. Mm-hmm. and. Right around the time I turned 16, 17, I realized that if I was going to be happy, my father's opinion of me couldn't be the thing that dictated my decisions,
0: Mm. right? Yeah, we got to let that land for a second right there (laughs) because there's a lot of guys out there who still don't know that or still don't really take that in. So maybe say that one more time and then tell us what that means for you.
1: If I'm going to be happy, my father's opinion of me can't be the thing that dictates my decisions. Right. Yep. And that mm-hmm. comes down to for for other people, every whether that's sexuality, whether that's the kind of woman you bring home, whether that's the job that you take and the amount of money you make. Pops has his own ideas of what he wanted me to have and, and be. And I love him for his investment in giving me all the tools that I had. Mm-hmm. But just like when you set a bird free from the nest, you're now flapping your own wings, you know? Mm. And so and and where you go. Is up to you, and that, and I had to, I had to let that sit with me. And from that moment on, our relationship had tension.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's one of those things we see in nature all the time, too. Yep, you know, if you look to um, any community of of a species of animal, any like little pack of animals, at some point, the young masculine or the young males in the, in the pack will challenge the alpha it's like, or, or, or challenge the father, the mashing of the horns, the, yeah. the standoff that Bandy. ultimately causes the rift. Yeah.
1: Lion exactly. King, you know, like these movies are a big deal because they remind us that if it's your actual father, you might be in tension with him, or it could just be the legacy of the memory and, and the pressure of, of their, of their desires for you to be great. Or what they are Mm -hmm. physically, like specifically asking you to become. Mm -hmm. And the whole twisted paradigm though, is that if if your dad wants you to become a man, and this is what I I realized with my father, is that he wasn't ever going to respect me until I let go of his respect as an ideal. Mm. And so I began to see my father as an equal, as a man, who I was a man. And so look, I don't need your respect. I don't need your approval. I don't need you to give me a pat on the back anymore. And that both hurt him because he's like, I'm your father. I brought you into this world. But I'm also like, yes, and thank you for that. But I am now standing on my own too. Mm -hmm. And so while I appreciate your encouragement, your acknowledgement, your support. I don't need it.
0: Yeah, man. And and I could speak from both sides. I'm a son and I'm a father to a boy. I've got a three and a half year old boy. And I already can sense that my greatest pride in him and for him will be the day that he can say that to me. Mm -hmm. The day that he, and not just say that, but to really embody it and demonstrate that he has become his own man on his terms. Because I know what that battle has been like from the son's side of the conversation. So to be able to see that in our son, even like you said, when it's it can be painful for the father, and I'm sure I'll have my experience with that. Ultimately, it's my greatest joy because Ooh. that's what is there at the end of the day. If if as if as fathers, we try to keep our sons under our wing, we're not really allowing them to fly from the nest, like you said, and, yeah. and be who they are.
1: Yeah. And so this is the thing that my my dad told me too. Is he said, "Who do you whose team do you think I'm on?" <laughs> <laughs> and i was like what he's like you act like i'm not on your team you know you act like mm. i'm not doing everything in my power to make you the most awesome guy you can be and, and i was right. then i was like oh yeah pops is on my team <laughs> i have this great yeah. ally it, why am i making an, an, an enemy thing you know yeah and so that there's a natural tension because i became something and i was going to be self determinate and mm-hmm. it was different than what he wanted me to be. But at the same time, it was like, okay, cool. Now I get to look at you as someone who is on my team and non-competitive because what he, the other thing he told me is that no matter how awesome you do, it only adds to my legacy. <laughs> you know, like-
0: Yeah, yeah. He, nice. You know, he's
1: like, it's one thing to be a great man, but then to raise a great man and to, to be a part of nurturing someone who becomes a great man adds to his legacy and adds to my legacy. So of course as a father you want to see your son blow your legacy out of the water. Mm. You know?
0: Damn man, you just you just hit me with a boulder right in the chest there, man. It's one thing to to be a great man but to raise a great man. That that really is next level right there and it's so simple the way you said it. I love that. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm curious. Let's use this as a little bit of a segue. How old were you when you joined the army?
1: So Let me, let me, let me answer that with a story.
0: Okay. Because
1: the thing that caused the tension between myself and my father's relationship was the fact that I wanted to leave his house so bad that I was willing to do anything to get away from him.
0: And I thought so.
1: (laughs) And so I said, you know what? I'm out of here, dude. 9-11 had just happened. And I said, you know what? I'm out of here. This, this recruiter called me And the first time he called me, I said, I will never join the army. Please stop calling my house because it was like, Mm. it's like against my values, you know? Totally. But then I was like, look, and then I called the recruiter back and I said, Mm. how quickly can I leave? (laughs) Wow. I was like, how quickly can I leave? And he was like, he was like, well, you know, we can get you out in a couple of months, but you're only 17. So you got to get your father's approval. I went to my father and I (laughs) said, dad, can you help me sign up for the army? He was like, no, I'm not going to hand my son over to Uncle Sam, you know? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I said, well, so this is what I want to do. And he's like, well, guess what? When you're 18, when you're old enough to do that, you can do that. But from, Mm. but. I'm not going to sign. I'm not going to take responsibility for signing you off to go fight somebody's war or be in somebody's army. Hmm. And so at 17 years old, I was like, dang, man, the world is my enemy. This is messed up. And so when I turned 18, I turned 18 on August 14th. And like Mm -hmm. on the 19th, I was in the recruiter's office. Like how quickly can I leave? (laughs) Yeah. And the last thing my father said to me, he said, I know I've been hard on you, and you feel like I've been your the toughest experience that you've had, but if you come back and tell me that the worst thing you've ever experienced was living under like the hardest thing you've ever experienced, the most challenging thing you've ever experienced was living under my roof, then at least I can be proud enough by saying that I prepared you for the world, yeah because the world is not the world ain't gonna ain't gonna coddle you and you know, and I was like, okay you know, I, I, I don't have to agree with your methods, but I appreciate that. And I, I gave him a handshake and a hug and, uh, you know, I shed a tear and I I, I dipped out. Wow. So, and so at 18 years old, I, I just said, I'm out.
0: Mm. You know, And that's what a powerful moment for a young man. You know, I really, I really honor, admire that. And you, I just thinking of my own story, reflecting on myself, I was feeling that resistance and that mashing of the horns with my father. And it wasn't, I, I wasn't as clear of, I need to make this decision for me now at that age. Mm. And so it's super powerful to, to, to see and hear that. And also to hear how aware your dad was of what his role was as a father to prepare and not protect you from the world, but prepare you for it. That's yeah. a huge shift in awareness. Yep. I really appreciate that. Cause that's, that's how I, I view raising my son. Cause that, cause that also means that you're not going to be best friends mm-hmm. with, with your son. You, it doesn't work. You can't be best friends. And challenge him in a way that will prepare him for what's waiting
1: but yeah so i just wanted to have a good relationship with my father and knew that living you know as a man under his same roof under some other man's rules wasn't going to be the thing that allowed us to have a good relationship mm. and our relationship yeah. has been great ever since i left his kingdom
0: yeah, <laughs> it was like yeah.
1: my own kingdom we've had a great relationship
0: yeah, it's easy. yeah, you can get along peacefully, but it's just like having two queens in one house, having two kings under the same roof. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work out so well. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's segue a little bit now into your experience in, in the army. I don't know a lot about the details of that, but really interested in this conversation of, of violence and manhood and masculine culture. And I imagine that it was a pretty good case study for you to be front and center oh, man. in the midst of all that.
1: Yeah, it changed me. It changed me irreparably but it also it, it also helped me to see the totality of what manhood could be, right? Because mm. in my intuitive nature, I am a sensitive, artistic, I have a ton of feminine energy, very like mama's boy, nice guy, never got really bullied, you know, but people did try to pick on me and I could stand up for myself, but I was slow to, to fight, you know? Mm-hmm. I was not a hothead, was way more likely to try to talk my way out of something, mm-hmm. but scared to talk to girls at certain points, like charming, but like never really like an aggressive guy. Mm-hmm. And so when I went into the military, they put a gun in your hand with a knife on the end of it and say like, stab this dummy and, and yell kill. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? And they're like, yes, yeah, stab this dummy that's shaped like a human being and yell mm-hmm. out kill. And you kind of poke it and they go harder, right? Faster, more aggressively. And then they and then they hand you a gun and they load it with bullets and they they point you towards a target that's shaped like a human being and they go shoot it in the head. Mm. And then they show you a bunch of videos of people in other countries and they say that's the enemy. Mm. That's who you're wow. that's who we need to stop and that's who we need to end their lives. It's come to
0: that. And that's true. without much explanation either, right? Just that's the enemy. That's like, the enemy. Period. They're coming for
1: your Kids, they're coming to get your mom. They're coming to get your sister. You need to be. Wow. You need to strike first. And so, so a lot
0: of fear tactics in that too. Oh man,
1: fear, aggression, and they're using fear on you to make you into an aggressor. Right? They're mm. using aggression on you to make you into an aggressor. And so, what mm-hmm. you become is someone who is loaded with fear and loaded with anger. And so, that's what your mm-hmm. output is, right? So, when you talk about case studies of violence and masculinity, violence in masculinity, not violence and masculinity, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you can see the correlation between what is put onto us and then what we put out. It's like when you boil an egg, right? You put an egg in for Easter, you boil an egg in purple water, the the egg becomes purple. You saturate Mm -hmm. a man in violence and he becomes violent, right? And, Mm -hmm. And so I was in the military and I learned these things and I became proficient in them. And because I became proficient in them, I was valued because of my skill set. And because I was valued because of my skill set, I began to enjoy those things and be proud of that. Proud of my ability to end somebody's life. Proud of my ability to shoot somebody in the head at 300 meters, right? Like these are things that I was like, yes, I can do this. I am a trained killer and it's great. I am Mm -hmm. happy about this. I enjoy this. I want to go to war.
0: Wow, let's just pause there for a second and appreciate what's happening cuz within the context of the military looking at you and and also thousands of other young men and women who are stepping out into their 20s, like late teens, 20s, deciding who they are, trying on different identities and getting a lot of validation, merit, approval, honor, right? Honor, especially for men, that word honor for for acts and deeds, such as killing people and doing these missions. And so, so much of the blame is, is caught by the soldiers.
1: In different units, there's different values, but there is also Uh like questions of proving yourself by having taken a life, Mm. proving yourself by having lived through combat, right? There's a hierarchy Mm. of people who have not been to, to, to war and people that have, Mm. if you're a combat veteran, right? I have a bronze star. And that's like a, you know, a higher award, but it's not for combat, right? I didn't win the bronze star for combat. So my, my place in the hierarchy is lower because I am not a sniper killer infantry.
0: Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there's a, there's a priority and a premium put on those folks who have killed at a high level or performed within that structure at a high level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And so it's important to me that I realize and that we realize that there are different ways to value yourself and, and 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 in that in that community of people that value is placed on the acts of violence that were done in the name of a particular mission and that can be their that can be their paradigm that they exist in but it doesn't have to be the paradigm that i exist in i can still value myself for other things i can still value myself for my creativity i can still value myself for my intelligence i can value myself for for my ability to connect with people. And, and ironically, mm-hmm. that's what actually made me a great soldier later on, right? Mm-hmm. I realized I wasn't, I wasn't built straight up to be a killer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was a creative. And so by, by becoming more familiar, that's what I say in the Tao of Maceo. by becoming more familiar with who I was in, inside, mm-hmm. I realized, okay, cool, I didn't have to be a, a killer to be valued, even in, right. even in the paradigm of, of, of an army, right? There's like, oh, cool. You got, you got, you're a problem solver and you have, you know, great ideas. That's valuable too, right? By doubling down on who I was, I, I could lessen my desire to become something I wasn't.
0: Right. And, and for me, that's a reminder of the lesson of transferable skills. That's why typically, especially in the, in the workforce, someone who has held a leadership position in the military or on a sports team or in an organization in college, there's already some intangible skills that are, that are desired. And so, you know, whatever, whatever, space you find yourself in, there's, there's skills that can be transferred. It makes me wonder though, obviously these are your opinions, but would you say that there is any, would you say that the men that you stood by and fought by in battle, that any of them were inherently violent or aggressive just by, just by their nature and who they are?
1: Yeah, I think it's hard to say. Sometimes things happen to us so early on that whether it's part of our nature or not, it becomes part of our formative identities like i don't know if i was born creative if that's in my dna but it it became a part of who i was so early on that it's that at this point it is part of the fundamental tenets of my my identity and Mm -hmm. so same thing with violence right i now that i've been stained that i've been marked and that i've been indoctrinated into that culture of violence it's with me it's part of me. I can, Mm -hmm. I can, I can access it. Mm -hmm. It is now part of me, my identity, my DNA and my my children or my, any of my offspring that come from me biologically will have to contend with that, that, that stain, that mark that's on me. And so Mm -hmm. the, to answer your question, maybe some guys were intuitively more predisposed to violence because of the environment or the DNA that they were handed down, mm-hmm. maybe they come from a warrior bloodline, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then that, that suggests that all of us who want to see an end to, or at least a shift, I don't know if there's ever really an end to anything, but shifting the culture of violence that we've had, that it starts with how we raise our children. And and making these conscious choices to break the legacy in our DNA. Cause I believe that a lot of it is ancestral, a lot of it, it is coded in our DNA, and a lot of it is our environment and the way we are raised too. So my belief is that we don't take enough responsibility as a community. You know, I've never been I've never been in the armed forces, and I still get to take responsibility for the violence that we predispose our children to, our young men and women that we ask them to do that simply because I'm, 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 I'm a part of that, you know, even though I'm not the one calling the shots directly. No, no,
1: we're, we're all, when we, when we talk about, when we talk about what the world is doing and what society is doing, we we like to say they, Mm. we always like to say they, you know, the world, they it's violent. The world is so violent and our society is so violent, but who's a part of that society? We are. I am. And so if I am an individual in a violent society, the question becomes, well, what am I doing to address, circumvent, minimize, mitigate that violence, if that's what I want to do? The other side of it is, for me, recognizing, again, manhood a totality, that violence to me itself might be a natural phenomena that I don't need to rid myself of, but it doesn't have to be my dominant language. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be, I am not going to knock anybody whose papa bear, mama bear impulse comes out when they're backed into a corner and they're with their child. There's a time and a place for violence. Mm -hmm. Animalistically, we do carry this defensive posture, aggressive postures. We got canine teeth, right? But Mm -hmm. does that mean that living in a society with cell phones and electricity that we need to be operating from that place? Probably not.
0: right. Right, right. Well, and that and that almost answers the the next question I was going to ask. But I also look to nature, man. And nature itself is violent. You know, like 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 animals. They do. There, it is amazing when you see these pictures of in the African savanna when the monsoon rains come and you see lions drinking next to zebras because at that point it's all about we all just need a drink of water. Yeah. Let's let's put down. Let's wave the white flag for a minute so we can get a drink of water. But then. After that, at, it's like the peaceful time is over because it's about survival again. Yeah. But like you said, we don't have to live that because of the way we've created our culture. Yeah.
1: I follow this account on Instagram called Nature is Metal. And
0: it's- Nature is Metal. Nature okay. is
1: Metal. And it's just pictures of animals inside the mouths of other animals. You know, it's like, uh. <laughs> it's like an alligator ate a turtle, a bunch of baby hyenas eating a zebra, Right, and you're like, oh, this is this is not a thing that we're going to erase from our environment, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that violence is bad, right? Mm. Violence is, it is what it is, right? It, it is a phenomena that, that we're going to relate to and how we relate to it. And, and so that's something I always like to talk to women about as well, mm. is that, hey, look, it's okay for you to be in touch with your aggression. It's okay for you to be in touch with your, you know, your like lower chakra, yelling, angry, visceral parts of yourself now, but Mm -hmm. as a conscious animal, right. Who is, who has a faculty of of managing their emotions and and how they express, then what is it that we're going to create with all these tools and what kind of world Mm -hmm. do we actually want to live in? Given that we have access to technology and language and and an abundance of love, then that means I get to say, Hey, look, violence is cool. Because it's, it's going to help me in a time of emergency. It's going to activate me. It's going to motivate me, mm-hmm. but I don't, 99% of the time I don't need it, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, or, 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 80, 89% of the time I don't need, whatever the percentage is. Right. When I'm in the mm-hmm. gym and I'm throwing up weight, that's violent. I'm Wah! you know, mm-hmm. but does that have mm-hmm. to be directed at the people around me? Right. Does it have to be, right. my, I- you know, it doesn't.
0: Yeah. And I think that some, you know, like we tend to do as humans and as a, a larger culture in society, we, this pendulum tends to swing so far in each direction to balance itself out. And so the suppression of masculine and male aggression and the ability for us to be violent in those circumstances where most of us would agree it's it's appropriate, defending ourselves, defending our loved ones, it's been so suppressed that it bottles up. Yeah. You know, I remember I remember when I learned that anger and rage was dangerous and that it hurt people mm-hmm. so i put a cap on it for years mm-hmm. and it and it created all of those that cascade of depression anxiety numbing to because i didn't know how to be with it but then we see things like the haka being performed and and we watch warrior movies where the leading character yells out a war cry and and we re- we resonate with that because we don't have permission to express that in a container that's safe.
1: Yeah. You find these connections between what we don't allow ourselves to express, the, the connection between violence and, and sexuality and and why both of those things can be put on taboo. And so then mm-hmm. you find yourself, and this is the third part of my manhood as well, that I had to go through in order to get to the the manhood is being what I am. But the first part was boyhood was, wondering if I was enough. Early manhood was wondering if I was too much, right? Yeah. Before I could even realize that, oh, okay, cool. Because now I'm in a a feminist paradigm, cultural shift. I'm seeing people critique manhood, critique masculinity, critique aggression in ways that I didn't necessarily identify with. But Mm. I was still being told that behavior, that aggression is bad. And mm-hmm. so now I'm like, oh, okay. So now the other side of it is I can't even show up and be all that I am because I'm going to uh, hurt or offend somebody. And so finding that balance of not trying to exert myself or put a cap on things and letting it bubble up and explode, but breathe mm-hmm. into myself, sit into myself and rest into my, my being to the point where, cool, some feelings come up. I could be aware of those feelings. I can understand that there's anger. And anger doesn't have to be violence. Anger mm. is an emotion. Violence is a type of activity.
0: Mm, that's a great distinction right there, man. That's a great distinction right there. And I think we blur the lines between that so much. Or we, as a society, have learned to anticipate violence when we see anger. Yeah, that That violence is almost a natural... Outcome or results of experiencing anger, and I think the important thing is that it doesn't have to be. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be.
1: And and I see this in like even in my social justice spaces with my friends, right? It's like, hey, I'm angry because the news is 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 showing us a world that we don't want to be a part of, right? I'm angry because I'm seeing injustice on the news, right? But Mm. that doesn't mean I'm 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 going towards violence. It's okay to Mm. yell. You know what I mean? It's okay to express, right? But it's also, it's healthier, I think, to yell than to try to break something or put your hands on somebody. But if I mm-hmm. yell and then I, you know, I go for a walk and then I calm down, then I'm, then I'm able to like be in touch with my messaging and communicate. So to me, it's, it's understanding the totality of, of the situation and saying, cool, violence doesn't have to be my go-to. It's just something that I keep as a as a break glass in a case of emergency thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Violence, exactly. You yeah. know what I mean? It's in there. I have it. It's a part of my human endowment, but it doesn't have to be how I operate with the world. It doesn't have to be that my come from, it does not have to be one of violence. And then anger, I'm going to be angry at stuff because I'm a human being, but anger and violence are not all uh, uh, inherently linked. And, and neither is violence and masculinity is inherently linked.
0: hmm yeah, man. And I think I think that's one simple part of our culture that we can shift easily and even create just a little bit more space for men and women to be fully expressed and to let to experience that anger and to release it. Just the just the fact that I as a man can't go out into the middle of the street or even in just in front of my house and scream at the top of my lungs and beat my chest. There is somebody who's going to feel unsafe and concerned mm-hmm. to the point they're going to Call the cops or say I'm disturbing the peace or whatever that is. And you know, even just that simple shift of, hey, this doesn't always equal violence or danger to other people. This can just be a normal human expression. That's something that we get to shift now. Yeah. Like in this generation right now.
1: And and that's to me what I think a lot of what my mission is, is to say, cool, here are the here is the whole range of human expression. Right, And then on the other side of it, here's the society that I'm in and the one that I want to be a part of. And how can I arrange and manage those parts of natural human expression in ways that are constructive and ways that are contributory to both my experience as an individual and the society that I want to be a part of. So, so to me, mm-hmm. if I see somebody yelling out in the street, I'm like, hell, I'm going to howl too. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah stuff out here is real <laughs> you know we gotta we gotta process we gotta deal you know what I mean yes, let's beat our yeah. chest together I'm, and you would um, you could see that next thing you know there's 10 guys standing in the street and then a woman comes out and they're yelling in the street and they're crying and they're beating their chest and they're holding each other this is why we need those mosh pits you know what I mean this is mm-hmm. what those, those mm-hmm. tribal circles jumping around around a fire you know what I mean like we gotta get that out you know what
0: I'm saying? yeah I do yeah I do yeah I really do man like you're definitely speaking my language right now and that's something that we get to be champions of uh each and every one of us because if we if we want to have that for ourselves and for each other then we got to start acting it, living it, claiming it. And I see it, it's already happening. It's not, this isn't like a new idea, but it's something that we all get to lean more into so that I think about my boy. You know, I show my boy a video of myself and Preston mm-hmm. and the whole Man Cave crew doing a primal scream. And he's like, daddy, can I see that again? Mm-hmm. And then, can I see it again? Can I see it again? Can we go do that outside together? Yeah. It's amazing, man. He, and, and, you know, children, they don't ask for permission. They just express. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. so,
0: yeah, man, definitely something we get to shift.
1: Coming coming out of the violence is is. The, the senseless violence, the unadulterated murders of gang violence and stuff like that. I mean, for me, the, the part of the solution to that is allowing men and people space to express their anger before it becomes violence, right? Mm-hmm. Letting them have a regular outlet, whether that's joining a boxing league or, or, or having a dance practice or doing martial arts or whether that is, you know, what, whatever you need right mm-hmm. whether it's breathing like kundalini that whatever yeah. whatever it is right giving us ourselves like you said that space to express the, our anger and rage before it gestates into violence is one and then two that that cultural piece where recognizing being violent doesn't make you more a man right, right. like the, that mm-hmm. you you can step outside of the paradigm of conquering and and step into the paradigm of
0: creating mm. Right. yeah because that, that that anger is one of the most creative energies that there is yeah it's a, it's a superpower when we know how to channel it and, and use it and access it properly and, and safely I guess safely is the word yeah uh, so we don't harm ourselves or others yeah and
1: so my journey in the military was was problematic in some ways and then and then it was something that I, w- I would never it's one of the, also the most enriching experiences because it gave me access to a part of myself that I wasn't in touch with right. And then, like as as an initial piece, being in touch with that violence, that rage, that energy that 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 fiery energy that's inside of me, and then the second yeah. part of it is becoming a a conscious being who can then harness that power and direct it mm.
0: yeah, so let, let's hear about that because I think this would be a good segue for you to speak about about your book and what you're up to right now. Yeah, how did you as an individual and for anyone out there who Grapples with anger or aggression and doesn't know how to be with it. How'd you learn how to be with that part of your nature?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think of it specifically as like a bullet, right? Or an arrow. If you, for me, it was personally dynamite, right? Mm-hmm. Dynamite exploding in the middle of the forest, I mean, in the middle of, a, in the, of, a, of an open valley is just a pop. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you drill a small hole and you put a piece of dynamite into a cave, it causes a chain reaction. Mm. And so it's like, it's not that dynamite's bad. We see it in, in construction. In order to have you know, new buildings, we need to demolish old ones. And in order to have access to caves and underground resources, we need, you know, we need to use this faculty. But it's, it's controlled and it's directed. And so for me, the first thing was recognizing the power that I had in my hands, and then mm. just like fire, and then playing with it. Saying, hey, what happens if I simmer if I dial it back? What happens if I let it rip in an in a open space, right? So I would go to the gym at three in the morning when nobody was there. And I would scream and jump around and throw my body on the mat and punch stuff just to see how long it took before I got exhausted to let everything out. And I'd be crying and screaming at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, so that I could see what my uppermost, outermost limits were, mm-hmm. And then on the mm-hmm. same time, I'm practicing mindfulness and meditation to seeing like how small can I put my energy on simmer, you know? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. once I realized that my uppermost and my, and my lowermost, I said, okay, well, now, now in my training, I can practice hitting the precision of a particular kind of expression. And to me, what that mm-hmm. gave me was it gave me access to understanding my own capability and it gave me a, a vocabulary to express my emotions, my emotions within a range, so I got mm. I got emotional vocabulary out of it, and so when it comes to supporting a project like a book, the first thing I do is take a deep breath and I explode all my creative energy, abstract thought. It makes no sense. It's just emotion, right? Maybe it's Mm -hmm. just words or sounds. And then I start chipping away at it and making and refining it and carving it into something beautiful. So I take that raw emotional material and then I can polish it and shape it into whatever I need to. And then when Mm. it's time to get into sales mode and marketing mode, you know, then I turn it back up. But it's focused Mm. because sales mode might be just sitting at a computer. Mm. You know what I mean? But I got my hip hop Mm. playing in the background and I'm doing a spreadsheet. You know what I mean? Because I'm, mm-hmm. I know it's hustle time.
0: Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, man. And so yeah. it's
1: finding what is the best m- mode to be in to do this activity. Mm-hmm. If you're lifting weights, you need that power. You need that aggression. If you're doing sales and, 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 and you need that focused, targeted energy, right? And so it's mm-hmm. like, cool. Now I know that I have the mode. I can conjure it up at any time.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think that w- one of the things that really stood out in what you said there for me is having the space to explore that energy because nobody knows how to direct that anger aggression whatever we want to call it just by nature of being born it's just like everything else nobody knows how to how to dance like a b-boy yeah. when you're first born you got to you got to explore and have a have a container that can contain and hold that energy and i think that's really what we're what we're speaking to is what we as a people can do is provide these spaces so that that young man that boy that was, that was murdered last week, that yeah. whoever was on the opposite side of that gun was exploring his limits. Yeah.
1: Yeah. For me, for me it's a, the question of, would I rather have my passion leak out like water out of a, out of a leaky faucet, or would I rather focus it and, and put some pressure behind it and have it come out like a super soaker? You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then
1: I can yeah. accomplish things with that energy as opposed to letting it leak out. And so for me, it's not about squashing anything. It's about managing it in such a way that it allows me, every expression that I do moves me more towards being the kind of person that I want to be and and, and generating the environment that I want to generate. And that requires practice, right? It requires practice. Mm -hmm. So for me, that that happens in art and athletics, right? So it's like poetry, right? Mindfulness, breathing, physical exercise, push-ups and all that stuff, right? because it gives me those outlets where it's like it brings it out of me this is an activity that brings that out of me and now i know where my best use is is it for you know
0: yeah and that's and that's for every one of us out there there is that natural stage in the trajectory from boy to man where we have to explore and experience our limits you know every animal in the in the In the animal kingdom, does it? You know, the juvenile eagles—they fly higher than any bird into the stratosphere to figure out where they where there won't be enough oxygen, Mm -hmm. and that they then they start to fall to the earth, and then they flap and come to consciousness and do it again. You know, a book that changed
1: my life. It's it's a children's book that I didn't read until I was into my mid twenties. Jonathan Livingston Seagull.
0: Okay, I never read that one.
1: It's a book. It's like a kid's book, but it it describes exactly what you just said—a seagull flying up, 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 and then he gets lightheaded, Mm -hmm. right? But it's the same thing with men and their and their bodies you know and, and mm-hmm. like growing and like testicles and testosterone and, and penises exploring hey this is what this is what it is it's here right it's part of me so better get to know it and be able to manage it then. right because either way you're going to be held responsible for it
0: truth either truth directly right
1: there, or just by virtue of the environment you're in right
0: yeah, real and, talk.
1: and so if I'm going to be held responsible for it I want to take responsibility for it
0: mm. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. I love that right there. We can leave, we can let that one lie cuz that's 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 it, period right there. This has been a great conversation, man. I really appreciate the the perspective that you've brought into this and and bringing your your experience and your wisdom from what you've lived into this conversation. Because I think it's a conversation that a lot of us are still missing or not quite seeing. We're seeing the the results and the impact, but we're not seeing the solution. We're 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 still talking about the problem versus what we can do about it. So So thank you for that, man. And I want to just wrap up by asking you a couple of lightning round style questions. Got it. So here's the first one. What is one thing that you've learned in your life up to now that you wish you knew back when you were 18?
1: That I wish that I knew that I was capable of whatever I decided to be capable of and that I didn't have to ask for permission to be great.
0: Mm, Yes, man. The permission piece. So huge. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? The most important value to
1: have as a man, I think, is to treat people with the respect, treat yourself with the respect that you wish other people would treat you with. To me, mm-hmm. to me that's the, the platinum rule. Treat yourself with the respect that you want other people to treat you with. Because treating yourself with respect is going to mean that you treat others with
0: respect. That's mm-hmm. dignity. Yeah, man. I love that piece. Awesome. And, you know, last but not least, how can people follow you? Tell us about where to find the book. I think you got it up on Amazon now, right? Yeah,
1: the book is on Amazon. It's Maceo Paisley, M A C E O P A I S L E Y. But I'm on Instagram, I'm on the internet, and it's dowofmaceo.com. And you can can find it. And as of March 18th, it'll be in stores. So, Mm. but yeah, it's been great to be with you. If you're interested in reading about, not only my journey to coming to terms with myself and 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 stuff, but some interesting questions to ask yourself around finding your own path and your own voice, then, then check that book out.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah, man. Thank you for sharing that with us. Definitely something I'm going to dig into because you're, you're so, you, the way you live and the way you walk in the world is is inspiring because it's so clear that you're living in your truth. Um, and you know we're all humans, so I don't, I'm, I'm sure it's not 100 percent of the time. But really, man, I see you living your your vision and who you are and owning it, man, with the way you walk.
1: I say in my book that on my best day, I'm living. Up to 80% of who I'd like to be. Uh And if I'm (laughs) hungry or tired or sleepy, then it it goes down, (laughs) but I'm definitely trying.
0: Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job, man. And thank you for taking the time to be on here. I know what it means to take time out of your day. So thank you for gracing us with your presence and your wisdom. And uh, I look forward to digging into that book, man, and and tracking your journey and then getting you back on here further down the road to dig into the well again.
1: I appreciate it. And thank you for hosting the platform and and getting and, and representing the light and being a light worker. So I'm happy to be here and thank you.
0: Awesome. You got it, man. As I mentioned in the top of this episode, it was a very timely and appropriate conversation to be having. I really enjoy and appreciate and honor Maceo for his incredible wisdom, his insights, and his willingness to transform the conversation of violence into something that is productive, that is useful, that is beneficial to our society and to our culture. Truly a gem really a powerful conversation to have with this man i learned so much from this interview and this dialogue with maceo and i look forward to continuing to track and follow his journey into the future because he's doing some really amazing things with his creativity and inspiring creativity in others as I mentioned at the top of the episode, I'm calling each and every one of you guys forward to join us for one of our Rising Man Fire Circles. The next one is March 23rd, 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can support the podcast and become a lifelong committed member of the Rising Man Fire Circles by heading over to Patreon.com risingman Rising Man and contributing to the $33 a month tier today which gets you access to our private Facebook group, our private community, monthly calls, weekly check-ins, and a whole bunch of other exclusive content. So make sure you go over and support us there now. Also, make sure you check out show notes for links and resources at therisingmanpodcast.com. Shout out to Julian Subic, who is taking care of that for you guys each and every week. Appreciate you, brother. Please subscribe and follow us on the podcast app that you listen to us to and leave a comment, a review, a five-star rating if you think we deserve it so that we can get the Rising Man movement in front of more men's eyes and inside of more men's ears. It really helps us to spread this message. So please stop what you're doing right now. Go subscribe. Go leave a review. Leave a comment let us know how these episodes are landing for you. Check us out also on Instagram at rising man podcast, my man, Rowan Tyne flexing the social media game for us and making those episodes and those cuts from each episode really poignant and powerful to attract you guys to it. Please share it up, tag us, follow us, check us out and everything that we're doing there on our Instagram account. Special shout out to Sean Offenbach over at infinite melodics at infinite M E L O D I X on Instagram. He's been taking care of the Rising Man podcast and making us sound so professional, so crisp and clean each and every week. Sean, I appreciate the work that you're doing, my brother. And to Mark Rose, the other corner of my Rising Man power team, appreciate everything you're doing behind the scenes, man, and everything that you're helping me to create behind the scenes and for the future. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.